Of all the people the angel of the Lord could have visited to announce the birth of the Messiah, why in the world choose shepherds, those living in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night? Why choose poor, overlooked people when the angel could have visited anyone? Well, the angel says why, because this good news of great joy is for all people. In the ancient world, hearing this story, folks would have scratched their heads and said, shepherds? God really must love everyone. The Messiah must really have come for everyone, if he even came for shepherds. And in the same way, all of the people, of all of the people to whom God could have sent Jesus, why choose a family so humble that Jesus' mother would need to give birth in a barn, a stable, or as in that icon, a cave? Again, the message is clear. God really must love all people to send Jesus into a family displaced and poor. God loves everyone, yes, that's the message, yet prioritizes the invisible, the forgotten, the ones who struggle the most. This we know because God sends God's Son to them. God starts there. In humble surroundings, we find a baby, human and divine, surrounded by humble shepherds, parents of little means, and barnyard animals. In our own lives, we're tempted, aren't we, to search for God, to expect God in glorious places, soaring cathedrals, wind-swept mountaintops, mystical shrines. And yet, in the story tonight, God appears in the midst of the simple, the ordinary, the everyday. And that's where you and I can find him, too. As spiritual leader Paula Darcy says, God comes to us disguised as our life, regular life. Trips to the supermarket style regular life. Now, my own supermarket behavior is less than perfect. This is a big confession tonight, actually. In a hurry, in the checkout line, I've been known at the last minute to abandon a suddenly unwanted item, sliding it out of sight. So if you ever see a jar of pickles wedged up next to the People magazines, I was there. <laughs> and every once in a while, when I'm really running behind schedule, I even fail to return my cart to the corral. I kind of perch it on the edge of the parking lot I am not a paragon of good supermarket behavior. And I tell you that so that you don't understand what I'm about to share with you as in any way self-aggrandizing. But one day, 
I did a good job at the supermarket. I was living in the Boston suburbs. It was 2002, and, excuse me. And I was just picking up a few things in the checkout line. I noticed the woman in front of me was very frail and pale and elderly and a little disoriented too. And methodically, she would take one item out of her basket and set it on the belt. Another item out of her basket and set it on the belt. And she was apologizing to us the whole time for going slowly. And she said, I'm recovering from surgery and still not myself. And we said, no, no, the, the cashier. And I, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine. So eventually she paid and then at a snail's pace, pushed her cart out the door. And with only a few items myself, I checked out quickly and spotted her again as I was exiting the store. She was just reaching her car, looking defeated. So heading over on this better than usual supermarket day, I offered to load her groceries into her trunk. Yes, please, she said thanking me again and again, and then with my head deep inside her trunk, arranging and rearranging all the bags to fit them in there, I could hear her voice timidly whisper, I wish you were my neighbor. Well, suddenly in that trunk, a sense of spaciousness came over me as though the inside of that trunk stretched to the very length and breadth and depth of the universe. The Buddhists use that word, spaciousness, to describe an opening to the sacred. And this makes sense because it suddenly came to me on a cellular level that I was her neighbor. And not in just that be nice to each other, be neighborly way, but much, much more. I could feel suddenly how I am her and she is me and we are a part of the very same fabric. And, and, and this little world, this trunk of her car was a universe. It was everything. God comes to us disguised as our life. And tonight is a story about ordinary lives made extraordinary because Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and later scholars from the East were open to seeing God in their ordinary lives, the extraordinary within the ordinary. So think about a time when your heart and mind opened to something extraordinary. And this is not something that you planned or, or orchestrated. It's a breakthrough that just came upon you because you somehow found yourself all at once or maybe gradually culminating in a big moment receiving experiencing a greater spaciousness, a, a heightened 
understanding, a fuller consciousness, more life. Mark Nepo writes these simple words to capture that kind of moment. He writes, all the buried seeds crack open in the dark the instant they surrender to a process they can't see. The shepherds cannot see or understand the complex workings of heaven or the shape and scope of God's plan, but an angel of the Lord stands before them and, and the glory of the Lord shines around them and they are terrified and we would be terrified and yet, and still, they listen. And when the angel of the Lord and the whole angel choir soar off back into heaven, the shepherds say to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. In this moment, they surrender to the phenomenon they can scarcely see or understand because, like seeds, they are cracking open in the dark through God growing into something new. In the same way, Mary and Joseph surrender to a process they cannot possibly understand. Yes, in Matthew, Joseph gets information in a dream. And yes, in Luke's gospel, Mary is visited by Gabriel. So they, they have some input on next steps, but how can they truly know what is in store? They cannot know, and yet they listen and surrender and crack open in the dark. God comes to us disguised as our life. Can we be attentive and willing to listen and respond, even if we don't and can't possibly fully understand or control at all what is happening to us? Can we listen to our life anyway? Okay, so let's say we want to listen. We want to be willing and open and attentive to God, God coming to us disguised as our life. How do we do it? How do we prepare? Well, sometimes it's, it's simply by sitting quietly and waiting in a room or a monk's cell. One of the ancient desert fathers, Abba Moses, was asked by another monk for a word of guidance, and you may have heard his famous answer, go to your cell, and your cell will teach you everything you need to know. Heightened consciousness coming not from fabulous worldly adventures, but from sitting in a room and resting 
in God's presence. In a, in a small space where we can feel the light and the life of God, when we can feel potentially everything. You know, regarding the exact small space where Jesus was born into this world, where God so astonishingly came into the world disguised as our lives. Where that happened, opinions vary. Some say in a barn, in a stable. Others believe the downstairs area in the home of relatives where the animals were brought in for the night. And still others believe, and we see this in our icon, in the writing of, of some ancient authors, that the stable was actually a cave. Womb-like, mostly enclosed, part of the earth, a perfect place for the Christ child to be born, a universe birthed inside that small space, giving humankind all the people, the promise of a new humanity. Our minds and hearts and souls expanded, our awareness more spacious, all beginning for us inside that small space, a creche, a barn, a cave, the trunk of a car. And so, on this holiest of nights, here is the question for you. Can you listen to your life and like a seed ready to grow, crack open in the dark? Amen.